Do you have an exit strategy? Find out why you should and how to make it happen on today's episode. Are you a leader trying to get more from your business and life? Me too. So join me as I document the conversations, stories, and advice to help you achieve what matters in your life. Welcome to Unbound with me, Chris Dubois. Ryan Urban is a financial services veteran with over 20 years advising clients. After selling his advisory in 2022, he launched the Business Owner's Guide to Money podcast and book of the same name. Uh, With both, he helps business owners navigate the world of asset protection. And today, he is sharing these insights with us. Ryan, welcome to Unbound. Chris, thank you so much. It's great to be here. Yeah, this is going to be a fun conversation. And we are going to take it way back with your origin story. I love that word too, origin story. That's like, like I'm a superhero. That's so neat. Right. Way better than your history, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, much better. I like that. We'll run with it. Um, you know, I've had I've had essentially two careers, uh, each uh, lasting about 20 years. Uh, I I had a degree in broadcasting, and uh, I was on the radio for about 20 years, uh, and uh, it ended up the last 10 or 12 years I was doing morning shows, entertainment morning shows, where you you know you get up at 3:30 in the morning and you're supposed to be funny at 5:30, and you know. <laughs> It, it, it was okay. It was, it, it, you might not think of it this way, but it, it was a job. And uh, there was one day, I'll never forget this. I can still envision it. I was sitting in my car at a 7-Eleven in Santa Cruz, California. And I had just done an appearance where they, you know, you, you go and you get paid and you talk to people. And I was thinking to myself, I, 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 I'm not, I don't want to do this. You know, w- what am I going to do? And I was just Barely, Chris, I was just barely mature enough to understand that that I hate regret, you know, looking back and wishing I had done something different. And I knew I had to do something. And even if it took education and training and licenses and all that, I got to do it. Anyway, I I was always interested in finance. And uh, so I I started the process of of getting my testing and I became a financial advisor. Uh, I did. um, So I was in radio for about 20 and I was in, uh, uh, I just sold my financial advisory last year. I did that for 22 years. Uh, when I was in radio, I was a pro musician and that kind of helped me actually get my way through college. Uh, and I, it was time to grow up, you know, at some point. So, um, I did that. Uh, I was strangely enough, I was just sitting at my house one day in July last year and the phone rings and it's this, this advisory group that wanted to merge with me. And I said, eh, you know, I, I'm probably closer to retiring, you know, and he goes, oh, that could work too. And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, well, we could buy you out. And I said, well, let's talk about that. You know, and, and uh, you know, the thing is that I, I wasn't really quite ready to retire. I still have several years left. I, I love this stuff. So I, um, I started this, I started the podcast. It's a lot of fun. I had already written the book and I help people now just on an hourly basis uh, with, with their uh, finances. Awesome. Um, a strange uh, story. Yeah. And I got to comment on one piece, man. Waking up at 3.30 and then having to be funny by 5.30. I'll wake up at that time and sometimes not be funny all day. So, <laughs> uh, uh, me but, too. <laughs> <laughs> so we were, we were talking right before the show that, at, I mean, everyone, I think at this point knows I do a pre-interview where we get to chat and stuff. And, yeah. Um, but uh, from that pre-interview, I took some of the stuff that I learned from you and put it into play with with clients, just talking to them about exit strategies and everything. And right before this show, we were talking about how it was a 
I'm able to kind of excite them a little more and get them to take action Beautiful. quicker because that exit plan is is on the horizon. And that's yeah. that's what I'd love to get into uh, a little more with just how how can business owners be strategically thinking about their exit from their company? Beautiful. Well, I'll tell you, there, there are a couple of things you need to understand. Um, first of all, and the, the smaller one is that you never know what's going to happen. And, and what happened to me may happen to you, where, where suddenly you're going to leave the business. Well, do you have your ducks in a row? And there are certain things that you really, and we'll get into it, but there are certain things that you really need to do if you're going to sell your business and, and make the kind of money that you want and after taxes and all that. But the much bigger issue with thinking about exit planning is that, and we have a list of 10 to 12 things. There are things that you can do to plan to sell your business that'll help your business today. So it'll make your business function better now. Think of it as like a, like a used car. If, if you're going to sell your used car, you want to spruce it up. Well, if, if, you, you know, if you fix up the engine and you get everything going, it's going to be working better. So it's not just about exit planning. And that's, that's my message to business owners is that you want to work on it today because they'll be valued today. It's not just an off, off road thing for later. Right. And so what types of things, I guess, are you looking at doing today? Is it mainly operational planning, kind of setting up the systems? Yeah, or, yeah. Or something else? much of that is. So, uh, you know, I, I can rattle off a few. Um, one thing you can do is you, you want to revisit your business and marketing plan. Now, remember, you're looking at this from the eyes of a buyer. And I just went through this. So I'm fresh off, <laughs> fresh out of the oven on this. Okay. You, you want to review your business plan and your marketing plan. And, and if you don't have one, and I don't even care if you've been in business, if you don't have a business plan, do one now. The reason for this is, and I don't believe in having somebody else write your business plan. You write your business plan because it forces you to look at your business from every conceivable angle, from, from the numbers, the competition. What is your competition doing? What is your marketing plan? How are you getting in front of people? If you retune your business and your marketing plan today, it's going to help you today. But the buyer, now it might be 10, 20 years down the road, the buyer is going to say, well, what's your business plan? If you say, oh, well, it's all up here in my head. Uh-uh. You know, that's, that, that's not good enough. Is, is the owner the MVP? In other words, a business, a business buyer, I'll, I'll guarantee you, they may not tell you, but they're wondering, well, if this person leaves, how many people are going to go with them? How many people are, are just going to go somewhere else? All right. So you have to structure your business in a way that, that you cannot be there. And, and still make money. How many long-term employees and captured employees do you have? Because the, the buyer is going to look at that and say, well, there's more loyalty involved here. And that's a positive as well. It may make you more money when you're selling. Is there a clear management path? Is there some motivation for your people to, to, to improve? Is there a clear chain of command? Uh, is what about the size and concentration of your customer base? Are there one or two or three clients who are so big that if one of them leaves, you're in trouble? Well, a buyer, it's going to hurt you today, but if a buyer is looking at it, they're, they're going to ask that question too. How clear is your accounting system and your, and your budgeting system? How smooth are your logistics? Uh, what's the old term? Um, feng shui. You know, how does, how does business flow through your business? Where is the, where are the bottlenecks? 
and you have to address those. You do that today, it makes your business better today. How current is your technology? How clear are your financial reports and do you read them? <laughs> do you really read your income statement? And your, know your numbers. Those are critical mm-hmm. numbers that you have to read. So those are just maybe whatever that was, nine or 10. But if, if you look at things yeah. like that, it's going to make your business more valuable later, but it's going to help you today. Mm-hmm. One of the ones that I've actually had experience in lately was I helped uh, with a complete rebrand of a company because the the individual who owned that brand is planning to to sell eventually but the entire brand had been built around him yep. as the individual. Yep. So we just cut the face out and said, all right, new name, new, like we're doing this as a community, no attachment to, to the name and stuff. And now it's, it's great. Like Perfect. still same company, right? But it's, it's able to be sold and someone else can just take and it over. That's huge. Um, right. So, so right now, if, for anyone listening, if your face is attached to the business and you want to sell it, start planning on how you can change that's right. that. Um, here's, I, I was going to get into this question later, but I feel like it's a, a perfect time now. How do you know? So like you, you got a phone call, right? And said, Hey, we're, we're interested in merging. Turned out like, Hey, we'll just buy you out because of the way things went. You weren't necessarily looking for that at the time right. or anything. And there's probably a chance that if you had actually like thought about that, like the sale of the business, you could have increased what that value was you know, for, and, and ended up making more money yeah. at the time. Now, some people are going to be approached when they're much earlier. They're not looking at retirement yet. Um, how do you know when to pull the trigger and say, like, yeah, this deal is going to be worth it versus if I stay with the company and I hold out for this many years, uh, you know, it might be worth way more. Yeah. I guess, are there certain variables that you look at? So obviously there's tons of variables yep. for this, but are there certain pieces that you're looking at to, to decide whether it's actually a good deal to... Okay. Yes. Uh, and, and here's, here's the deal. You have to ask yourself some questions. Um, do you, first of all, do you, what's your gut feeling? Do you want to sell this thing or not? Okay. That's just one little question, but let's say that you're, you're close to retirement, you know, so it's going to depend on when this is happening, whether you're 30 or 70, right? If you're closer to, or let's say you're farther from retirement, well, there's going to be a next step. What is that next step going to be? You know, are you going to buy, what are you going to do with this money that you, you know, you sold the business. Now, what are you going to do? So you have to ask yourself that question. Are you going to fund a new business? Is that going to go into an IRA? I mean, so you have to really have a clear idea of where you're going from there. But if you're retiring, then, and this is a really critical thing. If, if you may have enough money to retire, you have to do some income planning. And what that means is you, we have to look at the numbers that are coming in. Remember that when you sell a business, more than likely, you're not going to just get a check and walk out the door. You know, more than likely, it's going to be a process, maybe a couple of years. Mine was, mine was a one-year process before I got all my cash, right? So, so you have to do some income planning. Can I exist on this money plus social security, plus my 401k? And that's what income planning is. So it really depends upon the individual. And, and believe me, I, I'm a numbers geek, Chris, and, and, and you got to run the numbers, you know, and if, if you have an idea for another business, you have to run those numbers too, and make sure that it's going to work for you. So what's next is, is the, is really the answer. Right. I'm glad to hear you're a numbers geek as a financial advisor. <laughs> it would be, I can't uh, help. 
dangerous yeah. if not. Yeah. I, I try not to do too much <laughs> math in public, but <laughs> right. <laughs> um, no, I had uh, I had one guest we were talking about doing uh, the Spendthrift Trust and just how to how to establish mm-hmm. that and, and set it up. And she was using a calculator live and just like like no, let's make sure the numbers are good. I'm like that's what exactly I would do. Right. Uh, so so let's talk through. Um, I guess some of the other things that companies can be doing to kind of be working the equity mm-hmm. today, right? If there was just one step, I know setting up a, the, their business marketing plan, making sure that they're good to go. Um, I guess these are all things they can be doing now to make sure their business is just mm-hmm. running. But if they do have that end in mm-hmm. mind of the exit strategy, what is probably the biggest piece that you would recommend that they be, uh, they be focused on? Well, the, the biggest piece is going to be increasing, maximizing, optimizing the, the value of the business. And, and certainly that's, uh, you know, that's going to play the biggest role in all of this. So the first thing you do is you want to address those issues that ensure that your business is, is functioning at an optimal level. All right. Now, who's going to buy it? Who's your buyer? It might be family. It might be your employees. It might be a third party. It might be a key employee. So in fact, what you can, there are things that you can do now that may take 10 or 15 or 20 years so that your own people, you can create your own buyer because if there's someone in your, in, in your business who is a key person, one of those guys who really gets it, all right, well, he might be worth investing in now with some tax advantages so that he'll have the money later on in a tax advantage way to at least put a down payment on this business and then pay you out of cash flow. All right. So you have to look at who, who is going to buy it. And then again, what's on the other end? So, so you have to think about what's coming down the road, but also how you're going to be taxed. And, and you brought up that trust. I'm telling you, um, I've seen people get taxed six figures. And, 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 and it was a choice they had to make. And so this, that is something that you might want to think about now, even if you're not going to be selling for 10, 15, 20 years down the road. Who am I selling to? And what is that sale going to look like? It may be that you get a knock on the door, or it may be that you put it up for sale and just talk to strangers, but it may not be. And if you can structure, if, if you can control, there's my favorite word too. If you can control the sale of your business, so that you get the most money and pay the least taxes. It's worth working on now. Right. Yeah. So things like setting up a trust for having, I guess, would you be looking at, hey, it probably gets complicated if you have a lot of your assets within the business yeah. Yeah. as well, right? Like a lot of people will use it, have their vehicle tied to the business. So, you know. You, you know, know, I'll tell you. Office space, yeah, things yeah, like the, that. There's also a thing called a CRT, a charitable remainder trust. Uh, that I've used on businesses. And I'll tell you, uh, in my particular case, I, I took a big tax hit on purpose because I looked at the options and, and it, it was just best for me because this was going to be all non-qualified money. In other words, you know, non-401k, non-IRA money. And it was just better to, to take the hit. So you have to look at all these different options and because I'm telling you, it makes a big difference. Right. Well, if you're talking six figures in taxes, I mean the the average household income in the United States, I think it's like fifty thousand yeah. dollars. That's two yeah. years, you know, potentially gone. Yeah, it's a big numbers for uh, when you're looking at paying yep. taxes. Um, when when optimizing uh, kind of the business and looking at how how the funds, I guess, have you noticed that 
either the top line revenue or your bottom line profit is more appealing to a buyer? Is there one that I guess has more influence over the total value? What of a great business? question. The, yes, I have noticed. And this is just my own, my own experience. I love it when, when we can tweak their costs and, and it's almost like you're cheating. You know, you're, you're, you're lowering your costs so much that you're, you're, if your top line revenue remains the same, you're giving yourself a raise without having to do any marketing. All right. So if and efficiency is the word productivity. So, so yeah, the goal, it always has to be efficiency. And if that involves, um, hiring, you know, uh, you know, 1099 companies, you know, rather than employee. I mean, you, you look at the whole thing. If it also includes hiring family for the tax advantages, you know, there, there's a lot of little things you can do, but I'll tell you, you start adding them up. Now, I, I'm sure that, you know, the, the answer is always going to be, we want more business. But if you can increase your efficiencies where you, you need less business to, you know, to make the same net profit, that's kind of a good start. Mm -hmm. Right. And so... As a mm -hmm. buyer, you would be coming in saying, hey, I want to see a really high top line revenue with a lot of opportunities, you know, to for cost savings and stuff so that I can boost mm -hmm. profits later. Um, now, as a company that's potentially mm -hmm. trying to sell, right, or as the business owner is trying to sell, I want to maximize my profits. Um, I guess there's like a dichotomy there, right? Yeah, like, I, I, as, a, as a buyer... When you're coming in as a buyer, I think that, and again, I'm, this has just been my experience. I think that the average buyer wants to see lower debt and not only because it's easier to build upon because they may have their own marketing structure, but it also, to me, kind of shows me as a buyer that they were smart with their money and they were efficient with their money. So yeah, it's, it's two of one half dozen of the other, but there is a, there's a thing there that they're going to look at and say, no, this, this guy is not loaded with debt. And so all, and I've got a marketing plan I can come in with. Uh, so I, you know, it, it, it really depends on the situation, but I'm a big fan of, of having that monthly, <laughs> that monthly cost as low as I can. Right. Okay. Um, I guess as you're, let's talk about just finding a buyer mm -hmm. and say you're taking a proactive approach to doing this. What things are you looking for? Um, are you specifically looking for groups, individuals? Are, are there marketplaces that you're, you're looking at? Um, where do you start? All right. So, you know, the first question I, I would ask is, do you want to maintain a culture of some kind or do you really not care? Okay. So, so, and, and for some people, that's the biggest question for others. It's just throw away. And that's, that's great. So let's assume that, you know, your culture is your culture, but you know, you want to retire and, and that's your top priority. Well, again, try to build it so that, you know, give your employees or a key person the opportunity to do this for you. Uh, another way to do this, and you can do the, the regular route of, of using, you know, agencies and things like that. And now with the advent of the internet, of course, you, you know, there are so many ways to put your, your business up for sale. Another way is the people who bought me were my competitors. And, and, and so, you know, it, it, there, there's a downside to this and you're probably going to think of it right away, but, you know, letting it be known that that you might be interested in selling now it is possible that they're going to use that against you in a, in a competitive environment but i mean i i don't know that that's a deal breaker 
Um, so use, use the regular ways, but open your mind as soon as you can to helping your employees buy it so that you can create not only your own buyer, but your own terms. Then look at the competitors, look at regional competitors who may not be um, uh, right in your backyard, but you might be a very good complementary business for them geographically. All right. So then you can search them out rather than you waiting for the phone to ring. So, you know, there, there are a few things. Uh, ask, oh, uh, hit your industry association. Uh, that's always a great way to do it. Talk to your CPA. Uh, I, I'm kind of, I think the last thing I would do then is, is you know, put it up in an agency, but, but that's okay. You know, it's, it's going to cost you some. Uh, and then, or you, then if you're going to do that, make sure that it's, there, there, there's so much specialization now, Chris, that they're, they're almost certainly going to be agencies that sell your industry. Right. So that's another opportunity as well. But, but I, I would really hit the street before I, before I spend too much on having somebody help me sell the business. Right. So I was working, I'm working with a company right now and they were looking at doing an acquisition by for a company that had built up some software that it would, it would easily translate into helping their company. They'd be buying primarily for that. It was a one man show that they would be acquiring from. So easy, yeah. you know, deal like they're not, not a ton of employees to have to work around and things like that. Um, so they were doing their diligence, finding their numbers, everything. The, when it came time for actual negotiations, they just kept getting stalemated. And so I made the recommendation that they let the, this ac- acquiring party choose either terms or price. Pick what you want to start with as you're coming to the negotiation, but we're going to decide the other piece, okay. right? So, so he said, price, I want at least this much money. And it was a substantial number that was probably way more than should be. But so then we, when it came back to us, we got to talk about the terms and we get to say, okay, well, you want that much. We're going to spread that out over three years, yep. right? And so now let's hit the negotiation table starting at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, could you talk? So, I mean, that, that's one experience that I've had going through something like this. And the deal ended up falling apart because that guy refused to budge on, like, we couldn't essentially say, hey, this, this is worth, you know, what you're doing. You're not bringing any clients over. You're just bringing the, the technology. It's only worth this yeah. much. Um, and so, anyways, my experience from that side, I guess, could you talk a little bit more about your experience? Mm-hmm. Um, with this process, because I think that might shed some light for our listeners on what they could be. Yeah. My experience actually might be helpful. Um, they, uh, it, it was a fairly simple deal where there was a, um, a top line figure. And then remember we were talking about how, um, you know, a buyer might be concerned that people, that clients would leave. Right. So, and that's a very valid concern. So after, after a little wrestling, you know how that goes. After a little wrestling, it, it came out that I would be available to them for one year. And during that year, I, you know, meetings, you know, Zoom meetings, whatever, uh, you know, any, any kind of guidance they needed. If uh, it, after six months, if 10% or less of my book of business had left, I would get the full remainder of, uh, I would get the final 10% of my, my payment. So I got a 90% cash check and then that final 10% was withheld for, for that 10% to, to not leave. It ended up being about 3%. And, and so I, I got the rest of that. So, so what they're doing then is they're purchasing, they're ensuring their quality and th- their own efficiencies. So 
another thing might be now if if you're staying now personally i moved from colorado to you know the east coast so i was not going to be there but but if you're staying there geographically it may be that you go in and you work for one to three years it may be that you're working for nothing it may be that you're working for a salary and that's part of the negotiation as well of course and of course and, and i'm sure you know all of these you know the the different the little different variables that you talk about uh, because I, I, a, a smart buyer is not really probably going to want to take this thing over day one and you just walk out the door. All right. So you have to make, make it worth it to you. So part of that purchase price may be that one year or two years or three years where you're still working. The problem with that, of course, is when you're thinking about selling your business, you've got one foot out the door the, the minute you're thinking about it, you know, um, it's it's all about terms. It really is the terms, and it's it's worth it to to hold your own. Now, another thing I did back to the numbers geek thing is when they made these offers, I hit the Excel spreadsheet like crazy, and I said, okay, this is what I'm going to end up with after taxes, blah blah blah. All right, and I said I knew that it had to be this figure, or I'm just going to say no, and they knew it too. All right, so. Uh, it, it, you work out the terms properly, stay, uh, civil because <laughs> you never know, but uh, it's good that they have you there. You, I mean, that's, uh, uh, that outside guidance is very helpful. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know about, uh, all of the advice I've, since I, <laughs> I opened with the, uh, the knowledge that I have never advised anyone on this. <laughs> and so, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but it seemed to have worked out. Yeah. Uh, on that instance but so I, I think it's interesting that they were able to come to terms with with your potential client base leaving mm-hmm. and just find a way to now also package incentive in there for you to to continue helping and make sure that they actually did stay yes. longer um because I, I feel like that is a win-win yeah. now for yeah. everybody um so i guess now as we're looking to um uh, looking to sell what kind of documentation are you looking at within the business, knowing that you might be personally stepping away completely mm-hmm. and, and that, you know, we, we mentioned like having your business plan up here doesn't do you yeah. any good, but how much of the business now does need to, uh, you know, be actually written down so someone else can step in and take it over. So I'm sure there are proprietary practices and things like that that should be logged. Yeah. The, the very first thing that pops to mind is things like vendor agreements and contracts so, so not so much con- contracts that you have with the buyer, but contracts that you have with your vendors, with with everybody, and your your telephone, and you know all that. I've seen that happen, and it didn't end well. Where where we had to, we had to do some some Columbo, you know, we had to go back in and try to figure out what what had happened. Um, so certainly that any kind of make sure that any kind of industry regulatory documentation is 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 there and together. All of the financials have to be there. I mean, I, I, none of this is going to be news to you, um, but all of the financials have to be absolutely as clear as possible. Uh, and then your client base as well. If, uh, you know, I'll tell you, if if you're not into CRM, please try to get into CRM because what it does is p- part of CRM is it creates a paper trail so that so that y- your, your, your prior conversations and communications with your clients is is recorded because yeah you, you what if the worst happens what if you pass away one day and all these people you know the, there's no connection there whatsoever it could hurt your family so make sure that you're you're into the CRM and that's something that you can do right now 
uh, so, so you want to have it, you ha- essentially have to have a paper trail on, on everything you can, Chris. And, and, but those would be the first things that I would look at. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Using a CRM is one of the hardest things for some companies to turn into a process. Yeah. yeah. Um, especially sales teams who don't like to take <laughs> notes. So if you're on a sales team listening right now, just plug your notes in. Oh. It's worth it. Um, yeah. So, Ryan, I would love to talk more about your book. Yeah. Um, what types of things can can people be learning by by picking up a copy? Uh, you know, we hit a lot of things. Uh, everything from uh, you know employee retirement plans like four hundred one k's, simple IRAs, SEP IRAs, how to uh, mitigate and or- organize taxes uh, because that's one of the biggest deals and part of taxation is the form of the business. So we talk about that. We talk about how to protect yourself with, with the different kinds of available insurances that are out there that you, you know, some of which you, you really don't want. So we try to go over that as well. Um, and we talk about this exit planning thing that we just talked about. And I think in that, in the book, I have, I think 16 different areas that I look at that you literally just look at and you can make improvements today. Uh, so it's, you know, we really reach everything from, from taxation to your own retirement. Oh, and we go over, remember I talked about income planning. We talk about that as well so that you can just about pretty much do, you can calculate what your retirement is going to look like in 30 years. If, if you use the formulas that I have in the book, uh, the book is on Amazon and it's, um, Kindle. I'll tell you what, uh, let's do this. Uh, I, um, I do not. Uh, keep an email list of anything that ever happens with, with listeners. But if your listeners want to email me or if they want to email you, I'll send them an e version of the book. Okay. And no charge. Yeah. It's awesome. nice and easy. Thanks. Yeah. We'll get that, uh, get yeah. that word out. Um, and now, yeah, so I'm going to recommend now everybody grab, grab a copy <laughs> by, by shooting me yeah. an email, I guess. Um, and then you have a podcast of yep. the same Business name. Owner's Guide to Money on and all so, your favorite uh, podcast locations. Awesome. Um, and that's another place people can uh, check you out and learn some more of this valuable yes, information. Uh, so I've got three questions I'm going to okay. throw your way. Uh, with the, the first one being what book besides your own do you recommend everyone read? Okay, my favorite book. I'm going to get weird on you. A little all while right. ago, I mentioned communication. And I cannot stress enough that that communication can kill a lack of communication or poor communication can kill not only a business, but any relationship, whether it's a business, friends, uh, marriage, anything else. And I, I cannot stress that enough. It's, it's probably my biggest pet peeve. Well, back in the early 90s, a, a guy wrote a book who changed the way I communicate with people. And you probably have heard it. A guy named John Gray. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. And what it does is it shows you, it it, it teaches you how to understand where the other person is coming from. And that's something I never really grasped until I read this book. Once you understand their perspective and why they, where they are when they said what they said, suddenly it, it opens a door for you so that maybe you can communicate back with them in a good way. Right. Yeah. That's the first time that book has been recommended to you. So there you go. Uh, All right. What is next for you professionally? You're looking at it. 
I, I, uh, uh, I, I love this. In fact, what, what I did when I sold is, is I, I got rid of my securities license. Well, I, I had to, cause I, I sold the company. And so now I just, I, I'm not working terribly hard. I'm kind of semi-retired and, uh, but I still love doing this. My wife, I, uh, when I told my wife I was uh, going to retire, she laughed and then suddenly six weeks later, I'm back in it. So I can't help it, but I just do the hourly thing now. So it's an hourly fee and I come in and provide, and we, it's done over a zoom call. So it's nice and easy anywhere in the country. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. I'll do this as long as anybody wants me to do it for them. Awesome. That's, that's how <laughs> you know, you found something you like doing. Absolutely. Um, all right. And finally, where can people find you? Uh, the website is alpha Four business, alpha, the number four business.com. And the email is Ryan at alpha Four business.com. Awesome. Well, Ryan, this has been a great conversation. Lots of useful stuff in here and, uh, Good. more, more motivation for people to start looking at their exit strategies. Now, Chris, I had a lot of fun. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love a rating and review on your favorite podcast player. And for more information on how to build effective and efficient teams through your leadership, visit leadingforeffect.com. As always, deserve it.